All right. My name is Aaron Rhodes, and you're listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast. We're sponsored by The Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new news vinyl at 76 Intrust in Kansas City, Missouri. This week on the show, we have Detto. How you doing? I'm doing well. How's it going? Pretty pretty solid. Um, so, yeah, um, we've kind of known each other. We've kind of been acquainted for a, a decent amount of time, though. It, like you said, it's been, it's been a minute since we've uh, seen each other. Last time I saw you, I think you were in high school. Yeah, no, that, that sounds about right. I recorded your high school band when I was first starting out. Yeah, yeah, I think you did. You recorded one of the maybe like the second like bad mouth demo yeah, that we did. Right. Yeah, because I think True and Gabe did the first one. Oh yeah. Yeah, so that was that was that was fun. You know. Yeah. Fun to fun to mess around and do a do a punk band with your your high school buddies. Um, that's Absolutely. something I was going to ask you about also because was was Drooling Slits your first band? Uh, it was. I mean, so Trey, Diana, and I, we, I mean, we, we had been playing together for a year or two before that. You know, it was just high school bands. Uh, you, you spend six months with one name and then you completely change your sound, you change your name, you do something different. So we had been doing that for a few years. Uh, and then we all got into uh, Spaz and, and Charles Bronson and all that. So we decided we're going to be a power violence band. and. And yeah, we we changed our name to Drooling Slits, and and yeah, so I mean, it was basically yeah, that was our first band. What what was kind of the the different sounds that you guys jumped around from at the beginning? Uh, I mean, we were like, you gotta understand, we were like fifteen, yeah. so take it easy. But we we liked ska. We amazing. We loved Operation Ivy and uh, some less good bands and we at first we were trying to play like ska punk you know nice uh, we weren't very good at it i mean that's kind of a hard genre to be good at yeah uh, you, guys, you guys weren't weren't band geeks <laughs> no i mean yeah, you know, we never had like a a horn player or anything yeah. like that but i don't know if it was not we weren't very good at that (laughs) i think once we we started just like letting go and yelling at diana to play faster all the time i think that's when things got a little better you you were you were yelling pick it up right uh (laughs) there was a point where we we were picking it up that was good no, but also I won't have any Operation Ivy slander on this show, so I want. I, I didn't say about Operation yeah. Ivy. Okay. Okay. The other Scott band's not so good, but Operation Ivy. We were we were into some other stuff that wasn't so good. I still like I still like Op Ivy. Actually, I was listening to them the other day. There's a few bands I still like Op Ivy. Yeah. I still like Choking Victim. Actually, I've been revisiting Rancid lately, and it's not that bad. It's yeah, no, there's there's plenty of good stuff from all those bands. Um, and it's also kind of funny, like, I doubt maybe anyone that you are, like, friends or acquaintances with is really involved in this right now. But, like, there are certain, like, pockets of, like, punk and indie and DIY where there is, like, this kind of mini ska revival that's kind of happening right now. Like, really? Yeah, no, some, like, you know, I think for maybe, like, the last decade, like, it was impossible to get 
like good press for like a ska band in like any yeah i i've noticed that it's less universally hated than it was uh i haven't i don't actually know anybody i don't know any ska bands or anyone doing it but it does seem like people hate it less than they did a few years ago yeah no it's kind of funny i think like and it's kind of like oh some of the bands that are getting coverage are like you know they're like you know the headlines and some of the uh the angles and the articles that they're getting written are like oh it's scott scott's back and now it's inclusive so it's kind of like funny and interesting to see so it's like yeah good. okay why, why not I, I kind of always thought it, I, I don't think it was ever not inclusive. Yeah, I don't know. No, no I, I'm sure. Yeah, there are, there are pretty. I think, that back, I think about like real big fish or something and it's like a bunch of frat bros and yeah. maybe, maybe they didn't mean to be non-inclusive, but nobody wanted to be included anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, no. So I'm, I'm happy for, for all those people that are getting getting to do the the big ska thing in 2021 um yeah but uh yeah so okay you you trey and diana did you guys all go to the same high school no we all well trey and i did for like a year we all oh. were pretty similar we all we were all in the northland um, okay yeah i was going to oak park trey went to oak park for a year then they went to uh, staley uh diana was at uh park hill yeah, Park Hill for the whole time. Uh, so, we, so we grew up around the same area. And uh, Trey and I met when we were in middle school. We went to the same middle school. We met in like the sixth grade. Nice. And uh, actually, they were the one who showed me like the Ramones and Black Flag and stuff. And uh, yeah, we kind of grew up together, got, got into punk together and stuff. Yeah, it's like, and like, so I, I, I guess I kind of wanted to know also, like, since, yeah, you guys are kind of like all high school friends, like, was there a minute where I think, I think a lot of like people who get like from the suburbs who get involved in punk scenes kind of have this where like they discover the music when they're like kind of in their mid teens maybe. And, but then, and, and maybe they start a band with their high school friends, but then they don't realize that there's like a punk scene happening in the city so you're just like playing weird shows in the suburbs and stuff like that oh yeah that very much that was very much the case yeah we were playing with you know high school christian metalcore bands actually that's about it that's all the shows we could get were horrible christian metalcore in 2007 or whatever yeah no i'm sure we're i'm sure there, there must be like a story about you guys playing at a church and like Trey or somebody doing something ridiculous and uh, yeah, pissing people I think off. We at a, yeah, we played at a church one time and um, we pissed a bunch of people off. We said some stupid, we said something really stupid and cringy teenager shit like rock authority, or, you know, something like that. And there were a bunch of like parents and christian kids and they were really upset at us and uh yeah we we have a few stories from those days of making people upset uh not all of which i want to go into but yeah we definitely there's there's a few stories of that kind of stuff happening oh yeah and so 
I think many people involved in Casey's DIY scene around like kind of the early tens probably know about uh, the venue that you you helped run, which is Dedo's Barn. And this oh, so yeah. this this is like a an actual barn building at your parents' place. Uh, yeah. So it was um, I moved in with my dad up in Liberty or just outside Liberty. It was really kind of the middle of nowhere, and uh, he had this giant this giant barn. And yeah, I just started having shows there, booking bands, and um, it was really it was really a fun place to have shows because it kind of because it was so out of the way you know yeah uh like when you go to a show in the city you know people will come and then they'll leave and it's just kind of like a thing to do but everybody who would go to a show up there like you had to drive for 30 40 minutes whatever you know so it was like anyone there was there for the show yeah uh and so you know when we would get a good turnout and get a ton of people like it was just it was just a really cool environment of everyone being there just for the show, you know, not just bouncing around bars, whatever. Um, it was, it was really cool. I, I missed the barn. Actually, it burned down a few years ago. Oh yeah. I think I remember hearing about that. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. My dad got insurance money out of it. You know, no return or anything. He probably said it. I don't know. And well, not to not to incriminate him, but um, no, 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 alleged, no, alleg- allegedly, he did, he didn't burn, he did not burn down the barn for sure. <laughs> but um, oh yeah, so okay, so it's out in Liberty. Like, was it a pretty like secluded area, or were were there ever like neighbors or like cops or anyone that was like upset that this was happening? Uh, for the most part, no. It was so the nearest house was pretty far away so we we only had one problem with noise ever mm-hmm. um the band the body came and played yeah. and if you've ever seen them they're really really loud and really really bass heavy um which you know travels pretty far um so they came and there was a ton of people there was there must have been a couple hundred people there which i guess is not actually that much but for then at the time that was like a lot of people and uh so yeah by the time they played it was probably midnight and finally the neighbors got pissed and called the cops and i had to go talk to them i was underage and i was drunk and i was just like (laughs) yeah fortunately they just left us i just told them yeah we're not drinking and then they left and but that could have been bad that was that was when i stopped doing it because you know i was underage all my friends were underage we were all drunk and if the cops did show up, like I pro- I would be fine, but my dad could be seriously fucked. Yeah. So now, so at that point, that's when I stopped booking shows. So yeah, I I remember hearing about the body playing there, and I also remember, like I think the shows there stopped a l- like around the time I started coming out, so I didn't see anything there. But I remember seeing a flyer for Double Negative playing there also. Yeah. yeah yeah they did play there it was really cool i think they played with like dark ages and stuff dry maybe yeah yeah there were there any other like really memorable shows from the barn oh yeah um so weekend nachos at their the height of their popularity they played there and it was it was really 
people just went off, honestly. You know, so I had all these old couches there that I'd gotten from uh, Craigslist, just free on the side of the road. And people were just taking all the cushions and like throwing them at each other and just, it was chaos. Like the whole place was destroyed after. Uh, and it was really cool. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, there, there's a, there was a few times when people really went off there and uh, it was very cool. And um, I guess maybe the bands that you were in that, most people might know you best for was is, is it pronounced Boraz? Boreas. Boreas. Boras. Boras. Sorry. Boras. No, Boreas. Boreas. Uh, yeah. So that was that was one of your your black metal bands that you've done, and I don't know how how did that band get started, and what was kind of the inspiration behind it? Um. I so. We were doing drooling slits, and around the time that we were, um, the three of us were kind of starting to go in different directions musically. I was getting really into metal. Trey was getting really into punk and hardcore, and Diana, of course, was off on their screamo thing. Just kidding. Um, so a friend of mine was also getting into metal, and we started writing stuff together, and I don't know. It just kind of it just kind of came together like that. Um, we were trying to write music differently than I ever had before. Um, until then, I was just kind of slapping shit together, and at that point, I was trying to compose a little more. So I was trying to make some more melodic stuff, and yeah, um, yeah. So it was me and Ian at first. Uh, Ian Blair and Anthony, uh, Anthony Vanicola, he's playing drums. Uh, we just had two guitars and a drummer. We, me, Ian and I, the other guitarist, we, at first, <laughs> we were going back and forth on which one of us was going to play bass. Because we're like, well, we can't just have two guitars. We got to, one of us has to play bass. And then I finally said like, well, it's black metal. Why do we need a bass? And, then, and so we just didn't have one. And then, you know, and some shit happened. He left the band. Uh, we got Rue, uh, Andrew Snow. Uh, he started playing bass and we went on a little tour. And that's about it. Um, I like Boreas. I still I listen back to it every once in a while. I think it was pretty good. Um we didn't quite get out of town as much as we should have, but for the time, I, I'm proud of it. Yeah, no, and I, I there, there must have only been a, a few times where I saw that band, but I, I do remember you guys playing the, uh, the hoax show at Bad House, and that was just yeah. kind of like a pretty That's wild cool. evening, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah, we were always kind of, we were, you know, we all, we always played, you know, these house venues and these punk shows and stuff because we didn't really, I never really connected with any of the metal bands in Kansas city. So, you know, we just stuck to houses and at first it was people thought it was kind of weird. Like, why is this black metal band playing in a basement? And then I think people got used to it, but, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I was, I was going to ask about about that just because, yeah, it's like there's always kind of bands that like are within a scene but don't really sound exactly like the rest of the bands. But I don't know, did, did you guys end up playing out at like any like kind of bar or club? Like, uh, yeah, I think, like I think we we played the Riot Room one time. Um, yeah, I think we, we played a bar here and there. Uh, I never liked it, you know, just I was used to playing in a basement and just totally raw and just energy. And then you get up on stage and like there's people that are just there to drink their beer and there's a bunch of metal dudes in camo shorts and they're all looking at me like this. And I I never dug playing in bars, honestly. I just I would rather just play in basements with a bunch of punks. Yeah, no, I appreciate that because, yeah, no, you're talking about, like, how it made, like, when, when there would be shows at the barn, like, people would go out specifically to see those bands because it's so out of the way. So I, I guess you, you do just appreciate playing in, like, a room where people are, like, paying attention and are, like, passionate about the music yeah. that's happening. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, and I, I wanted to know a little bit about um this other band uh maybe i will mispronounce this one was it Euror? you're I, I don't even know either <laughs> uh, that was uh dylan's project mm-hmm. uh so I, I i actually never was in that technically i helped them it was really a one-man project on his part uh i helped them i recorded it for him we recorded it on that eight track cassette that I had back then. And then uh, a few years ago, probably five or six years ago, I dug that tape out and I remixed it because I'd gotten a lot better mixing at that point. Um, And I actually, I think I added a guitar and bass or something, but yeah, Dylan was really good at that. I don't think he ever made any more black metal but he definitely should have if you're listening dylan yeah do your thing no but also i think i think he played in another band that really never like another metal band that really never like was super active but i don't know if you listen to that the demo from that band neil k-n-e-e-l but i think i think he was in that band too and i i remember really liking that demo when it came out but I don't know no, I actually ever... I don't think I've ever heard that. Do you know? Do you remember when it came out? Uh, it must have been like between like 2013 and 15, and I think it was kind of a doom thing. Hmm. But I'll, I'll have to send you a link to that. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to send it. Um, so yeah, um, you you were telling me we were trying to figure this out before we started recording, but yeah, no, what what year did did you move to Seattle? Um. So I've been in Seattle for five years now. It was 2016 when I moved here. Um, I originally moved away from KC in 2013. Uh, I went to Phoenix for a year. went to the recording school there. Uh, After that, I moved to Portland, and I lived there for a couple of years, and then I came up here. And, um, you know, so what what was being at the – what, what was the recording school you were at and what, what was it kind of like moving into like a, a space where it was kind of like more professional and like 
like just out of doing stuff in the basement from previously? Uh, it was different. Um, the, the, the school was the conservatory of recording arts and sciences class. Um, I think a lot of people from KC have gone there. Um, it's a really good way to not live in KC anymore. If you're just trying to get out, uh, and it was, uh, yeah, I never took it that seriously as far as the professionalism thing. I would just show up looking like this. And for the most part, that was totally cool. Uh, the, the standards for professionalism in the audio industry, um, if you're dealing with recording bands and stuff, it's not high like you would think it is. Yeah. You know, um, you're allowed to just show up in a T-shirt and band shirt and have long hair and, and ripped jeans, and that's just normal, you know. Yeah. Um, I have recorded now a few times at Soundhouse here up in Seattle. That's uh, uh, this producer named Jack and Dino's studio. He's this huge, you know, he recorded like Nirvana's first album and I think some Soundgarden stuff. He's this huge grunge producer. And, you know, every time I'm there, he looks just like this. He's got like a ripped, faded Kaya shirt and he's got like this long, gnarly hair. And it's just, this is just normal. You know, people in this work, uh, we don't have to put on suits and stuff. So I think that was something that drew me to it when I kind of saw that I was allowed to just be who I am. Didn't yeah. have to tie my hair back or anything like that. Oh, yeah. I guess I was just more curious about like just adjusting to like a, a kind of like a bigger, more complex like recording process oh, rather yeah. than just like tape stuff. Honestly, I, I loved it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just dived in. I started learning. I studied my ass off through school. I, I ended up getting out of there with like straight A's. Not that that ever mattered. But um, yeah, I guess it just really clicked with how my brain works. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I, I kind of enjoy the, complexity and the tangles of wires and the trying to make sense of everything I, I enjoy it what, what were some of the like courses and skills that you specifically kind of honed while while you were there um i mean most of what you learn there uh is kind of just how to use the equipment you know so they have several of these you know giant mixing consoles and you basically go through and you learn what each and every button and knob does and how to use it properly, um, how to use a tape machine, how to clean a tape machine, stuff like that. Uh, they don't really actually teach you how to be good at this. You have to learn that on your own. Uh, but, you know, while I was there, getting some practice was cool. Um, so yeah, just really learning how these things work is what I was good at and did there. Oh, yeah. And so you're, you, you went away to go to school and, but like at the same time, like I, I, you know, I end up talking about this on the podcast and in my writing from time to time, 
when like referencing like the early to mid tens, but it's like a lot of people did leave Kansas City's punk scene around that time that had kind of grown up in it. So like aside from doing the school was like leaving to go to Portland and then Seattle was that kind of for you was it kind of like being disillusioned or like really tired of Kansas City like like in its social scene and stuff or was it more just I don't know what what would you say motivated tired of Kansas not socially um at least you know there was a lot of people there when I left most of the people were still there most people hadn't moved yet and I left behind a lot of people who I love and still love would really like to see I haven't been back in like four or five years now uh so no, I was never, it wasn't social. It wasn't the people. I always loved the people there, um, at least within my immediate friend group. Mm. It was, it's a very isolated place, you know. Uh, the nearest city is, you know, you've got to drive 10 hours to get anywhere. You know, Chicago, Denver, Texas, Minneapolis, anywhere. It's, it's really in the middle of nowhere. And I just wanted to see what else was out there. When you come out to a place like this, there's a lot more people uh, into the kinds of things that I'm into. Um, There's a lot more people who see things the way I do. You know, you don't get looked at weird for having long hair or something like you do in Kansas City. So I don't know. I, I just wanted to get out and see what else was out there and so far i've been happy i did yeah no i figure like even like you know kansas city you know is a small to mid-size city but yeah i feel like i'm sure jumping up to portland or seattle it is really helpful for the the kind of line of work you're in just recording yeah, metal bands absolutely. and stuff absolutely um yeah there's a lot more bands at all out here um And it's, I don't know, it's easier to get your name out out here. Um, Kansas City is really kind of its own self-contained little bubble, which is cool. But uh, it's difficult. At least I found it when I was there. I I didn't ever feel like I was able to, I never felt like I was ever going to break out of that unless I left. Yeah. And um, so you've been working several years now as a producer engineer and I don't know. Cause so was Boreas the, the last time you recorded your own music? Yeah. I, uh, I haven't even been in a band since then. Well, actually, well, that's not true. I've been, uh, I've been actually jamming some stuff with Trey. I've been going down to Olympia every few weeks and we've been playing some new stuff. Uh, which is exciting because I haven't even done that in a long time. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, but Boreas was the last time I recorded anything that I did. Uh, everything I've done has been recording other people's music. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, um, like if, I don't know, like, was there, like, a specific moment where you realized that, like, I don't, I'm not, not, not going to assume that you enjoy producing and engineering more than like writing your own music but I don't know when did you realize that that was something that you were passionate about and maybe wanted to like do for work 
it was it was around that time around you know 2012 13 when i was uh recording my friend's bands on a on that cassette recorder i guess i i just got a lot of satisfaction out of uh putting what other people had written on the tape and making it as something that sounds cool through speakers i just i just really liked that uh that's when i decided that i that's what i wanted to do and uh i don't know as far as making music myself it just hasn't come naturally to me over the last eight years or so um ever since i left there it's i've tried to do it and it's never come to me as fluidly as it Mm. did so it's just been something on i put on the back burner and really just been focusing on the production thing Mm. and uh so yeah, your your studio space in Seattle is called Sentinel. Sentinel Studio. Yeah, no. How'd you how'd you come up with the the name and what? How did having your own spot like that kind of get started? Uh, so the name is I, I just, it's ripped off a Jewish priest song. There's a priest song called the the Sentinel. It's nice. one of my favorites, and I don't even remember when I knew it's been a long time that i knew if i ever had a studio i wanted to call it sentinel um let's see i started renting it in september of last year um a band that i was recording they were just asking around they asked their uh, landlord at their practice space if they she had anywhere where they could record and she showed them the studio and i was like oh dude yeah, I'm gonna, I'll rent that. So I did that. Um, I've gotten, I really like having a space. Uh, before I had the studio, I was doing everything mobily. Uh, so I had my tape machine and my interface and all my equipment. And it was like a lot of stuff for a mobile rig to be dragging around to other people's practice spaces to record. Uh, so now I have my own space i have everything set up how i like it and it's made things a lot faster i feel a lot more free in my recording work like i can just do whatever i need to do without worrying about setting up and tearing down setting up tearing down and um yeah i i i love it i love having a space yeah that's awesome um so yeah, I lo- I was looking at the the Instagram page for it, and in the I don't know like if this is just a very common thing, but you you wrote in the description that you 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 do use a mix of like analog and digital uh, did. gear. So like, is that something that's kind of unconventional or? It's it's not unheard of. People do it. Um, most people these days are using just digital. Uh, tape is a big pain in the ass. I sometimes wonder why I do it, but I still do. Uh, but I, the, what my, the way I have my stuff set up is so that I can kind of get the best of both, right? I record onto the tape and then I take the tracks off the tape and I record it into the computer so that I can edit them in Pro Tools and do whatever I need to do. Uh, but that way, you know, you really kind of get the best of both worlds that way. Um, I don't know. People do do it. Uh, I don't hear of it that much, but I do hear about it. Is it, um, 
something that bands will like are, are you doing that with with everything that you record right now or is it kind of like up to the the bands you're working with uh it's i mean it is up to the bands if anybody wanted a, a just digital recording i could do it um uh, but everyone sees the tape machine they want me to use it so i do um yeah pretty much every time i, I use okay. both no and it seems like you do kind of work with like i don't know there is like right now a very big kind of lane for like people from punk and hardcore who are making like death metal and doom metal and black metal and, oh yeah and so like i think all the people that grew up with like punk and hardcore probably appreciate the tape sound and the tape aesthetic and oh yeah absolutely. like are are happy to see it in their kind of metal setting yeah i i feel pretty lucky um i i feel like i found a pretty cool niche uh coming from a punk background and then transitioning to metal i never liked the clean modern sound of how metal is recorded these days and i think a lot of people are in the same category uh, but they don't really have any options where to go to record. Um, so that's kind of where I come in. And I, I yeah, I think it's a pretty cool niche. Mm. Uh, finding the balance between a raw and organic, you know, tape sound, but also somewhat, somewhat polished and, you know, big and nice sounding. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where my niche is finding the balance between those two. Yeah. And you, you do end up recording like a, a pretty, like as far as subgenre goes, like a, a, a fairly wide array of different sounds. Like you're doing some like kind of DB crust stuff, some hardcore punk stuff, Black Doom, Death. So oh, yeah. Like, do you, does your technique for like engineering or any of that work like really change much from like subgenre to subgenre? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, obviously a, a death metal band and a punk band, the final product is has completely different feels. Um, so I kind of try to adapt whatever I'm doing to match whatever the band's doing, you know. Uh, typically, metal bands get a little bit more of a polished sound, a little bit more of a... Uh, I hate to say it, but commercial, I, I lean it a little more in that direction. Yep. Um, and then, you know, punk bands, obviously I'll keep it, try to keep it very raw and very natural. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, it definitely, there's definitely differences between how I approach a band depending on what they're playing. Mm. Yeah, no. And obviously uh, everybody is very excited about the electric chair uh records that you've you've put out yeah yeah i um yeah dude they're one of my favorite bands that i get to work with and and the fact that it happens to be my best friends from the sixth or seventh grade you know that's just yeah love electric chair love working with them love recording them yeah and uh i also just listened to one of the tracks from the cerebral rot album that you, oh, you worked yeah. on and that's that's sounding great too um the the new one that's coming out yeah with the red cover yeah yeah uh yeah i'm excited for that one that one came out cool that was uh that was we did that one at sound house at the 
the big giant studio and um, that was my first time there and yeah i'm very very excited for people to hear that one have there have there been any like i guess since since you've kind of come into your own as a producer and engineer like have there been any moments you can think of that have been like really like crazy wow like i can't believe i recorded this band or i'm holding this record or anything like that that really sticks out to you over the last few years i mean um sariba rot i think they were really the first ones uh to you know before that you know i'd been doing some demos and all that and everything had come out cool and people liked it but sariba was the first time that a release i'd done kind of blew up and i and i wasn't expecting it i i thought the demo was really cool uh but i did not know that it was going to be this big thing and people all over the country were going to love it and like um i didn't know any of that was going to happen so yeah when i uploaded their demo on the youtube and then a couple days later it's got you know thousands of views and, and comments and stuff i was like what the what is this? Why is this happening? What what did I do right? Um, so yeah, that was a that was a big one with Cerebral Rot. Electric Chair is another one. Um, they've they're doing very well, and I think they've positioned themselves where when their full length comes out in the semi near future, I think they're poised right now to do something really cool. I think. I think they're going to be the the next the next band to do that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, if anyone listening is not aware, yeah, the uh, new Electric Chair seven inches out on Iron Lung Records, and uh, the Cerebral Rod's coming out on Twenty Bucks Bin. So I think, and that one's available for pre order. I think so. Highly recommend both of these records. Um, yeah, no. Are there any other kind of projects you're working on right now that you can talk about or like stuff that's come out recently that uh you got to work on uh, there's a band from here called oxygen destroyer um i recorded their newest album they've released a couple singles from it uh i think the album's dropping in like a month um i really enjoyed that one it's death thrash uh more more thrash than death uh it's production wise, it's kind of my love letter to Darkness Descends by Dark Angel. Um, I have, that's my favorite thrash metal album of all time. And the production on it is like this really gnarly, like it's almost proto black metal, you know, it's so, it's so like, and so this album that's coming out, uh, it's kind of my love letter to that as far as production. And I, I really dug how it came out. Um, yeah, anyone who's a fan of like Vader or Morbid Saint or uh, uh, Sadus, uh, I would definitely recommend checking out Oxygen Destroyer. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's gonna about wrap it up. Um, I guess you should yeah tell people where they can follow you and uh, if, if they want to inquire about recording and stuff like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm on, I'm on uh, Instagram as Sentinel Studio Seattle. And I also, you can always email me. My email is vandetto at gmail.com. Um, yeah, but, but really Instagram is where I do most of my social stuff. And yeah, and anyone's welcome to hit me up about uh, recording, mixing. I can mix stuff recorded elsewhere. Uh, anything. I'm always happy to answer questions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And people can follow at Shellcock Mag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Shellcockmusic.com is the website. Shellcockmag.bigcartel.com is the web store. Uh, we just announced. Uh, the military gun show that's happening in November, November 6th at Revolution Records with Spine and Flora. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, issues one and two of the print magazine are out now. They're around town at record stores and you can order one online if you don't live in the area. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Ditto. I'm, I'm glad we got to catch up a little bit. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, happy to happy to be here. <laughs> oh yeah, well, okay. Um, that's that's I'm gonna I'm gonna call it.